Okay, I'm blessed to be able to introduce our speaker today. We are, we've had many times with her, Miss Sue Bolin. She has been married to Ray for 37 years, and I just have to say, she was back there saying, okay, now I have two boys, they're both in their 30s, one's 39. She was telling me the whole, I was like, Sue, I'm just going to tell you what I know. I, I was just thinking in my heart, I'm just going to tell you what I know, and I've been listening to a tape recently that says, choose joy. And Sue, in spite of everything that's happened in her life, she is one of those people that is so joyful. In fact, the other day I sit near her in church on Sundays, and she came over and she said, I am Jesus' party girl. And I go, <laughs> I believe it. So she may elaborate on that, but I'm just going to welcome her, and she's got lots of wisdom to impart to us, and we are blessed to have her. So Miss Sue Bowen. Thanks, Melly. You all wired up? Yeah, I am. I'm Where's good. Okay, first of all, props to the guys who are here. Oh, my word. Okay, how many? I see one. Is there anybody else? Two, three men. For your willingness to brave the estrogen forest, I am so impressed. Yay. There's one at the door. Hey. <laughs> okay. Very recently, California passed a law outlawing reparative therapy for youth who are identifying as gay, um, and they now made it illegal for someone, for a child or a youth, um, or his parents, or her parents, to go to a counselor and say, I'm identifying as gay and I don't want to be, can you help me? And they've made it illegal to help someone. This is the world that we're in, and there's so much gender confusion, there's so much sexual confusion, and a lot of it stems from what we're talking about this morning. If we can just cherish children in the design that God gave them, in that they're helping boys love being a boy, helping girls love being a girl, a lot of that end stuff will be taken off the table. It is so much easier to raise a healthy child who becomes a healthy adult than to repair a broken one once they're older. I am excited to share with you some of the wisdom that God has shown me over the, the years about gender differences. And my prayer is that what you will hear will translate to you going home and just loving on your kids in a very intentional way and maybe a more educated way to say, you know, God made you just the way you are because he loved the boy that you are, the girl that you are, the boy he made you to be, the girl he made you to be. What I want you to hear me say is that there is this huge variety of boy and girl, and our kids are just what God wanted them to be for their good, for his glory, for building the kingdom. And um, if you can walk out of here and just be very intentional about loving on your kids, to pour into them and help them realize, I am okay the way I am. God made me the way I am, and I'm going to celebrate that, then I will have been successful. Um, Toni Morrison, the author, said something incredibly profound several years ago, that a child knows they're loved when they walk into the room and their parents' face lights up. And that is so incredibly true because 
unfortunately, as moms, we're often thinking, well, you know, of course my kids know I love them, but right now you need to tuck in that shirt, and we need to get that dirt off your face, and, you know, you need to get off the fireplace mantle. You know, right now we need to deal with the problem here instead of walking in the room and and letting them see, oh, my gosh, my mom loves me, my dad loves me. That is so incredibly profound, and it's, it's not that Toni Morrison made it up. She was just observing something that God started. In the book of Numbers, the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. That's what that's talking about. We walk in the room, and God's face lights up and goes, oh, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. That's what we want to communicate to our kids, whether they're boys or girls. By the way, um, that is my favorite thing to say about both of my children, who are 32 and 30. Um, We raised them all the way to adulthood without killing either one, which is saying something. (laughs) And neither one of them have ever, ever rolled their eyes when I'll introduce them. This is Kurt, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Neither one of them has said, oh, mom, that is so hokey. That is so cheesy. They just kind of smile and receive it. And, you know, those are good words. The father said it of the son. We can say it to our children. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is some gender differences this morning that hopefully will give you some perspective on looking at your own kids and <coughs> whoever you're married to. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that everybody in the room And most of the people listening to this via the magic of the website later are married to someone of the opposite sex. And so it's really helpful to know how these Mars-Venus interactions make a difference in how we see each other, how we relate to each other. Um, When we can help kids understand that their being a boy or being a girl is an intrinsic part of how God made them, it results in a healthy self-esteem. And, and when they feel good about themselves, when they feel that they, when boys belong in the world of men and girls belong in the world of women, that lays such a foundation for healthy gender esteem that they're probably not going to struggle later on unless something traumatic happens. These gender differences between boys and girls are designed by God, and we've been saying that for a long time. Um, But what's really cool is with all the brain research that's been done over the last decade or so, it becomes even more apparent. There is a difference between the male brain and the female brain, and I'm not going to go into detail on that. I'm just saying that there's scientific evidence to support so much of what I'm about to share with you. First of all... um, When it comes to boys and girls in general, let me share the one thing that I hope you take with you. If you don't remember anything else, please take this. Some of you have heard me say this before. Um, This is God showed me this several years ago, and it has had such an impact on both parents and teachers and kids, actually, when I get a chance to talk to them, even in, in high school and junior high. Often we hear about a gender spectrum where there's boys on one end and girls on the other end. Masculinity on one end and femininity on the other end. And that's why we tell people, what we hear in our culture is, um, hey guys, you need to get in touch with your feminine side. Interestingly, we don't hear girls being told to get in touch with their masculine side. It's just the other way. And 
But I don't think that's valid. I think that because in Genesis 1, where it says God made the male and female, what the Lord showed me several years ago is that there are two gender, gender spectra, which is the plural of spectrum. Okay, there's a masculinity spectrum and there's a femininity spectrum. And he makes different kinds of males and different kinds of females, and it's all good. But the boys, on the masculinity spectrum, on the one end, you've got the all-American, rough-and-tumble boys who are um, just, they can't move enough. They're constantly um, going around crazy, just got to move their body, make noise. If we brought the kids in here and said, go from that door to that door, they would go around the table and up the stage and around and bang on the drums and around every single table and then go out the door. Because that's, that's their nature. They're very, very active that way. And they also tend to be pretty emotionally clueless. Um, these normal, uh, I, sh- I shouldn't say normal. It's normal for, the, they're all, it's all normal. But the, um, the average rough and tumble sort of boy. And often when we think masculine little boy, this is what comes to mind. They grow up to be the guys we see on the silver screen, um, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and um, with the, the guy who, Han Solo, um, what's his face? Harrison Ford, thank you. you know, <laughs> and, you know, those adventuresome, I'll get out there and I'll save you kind of person. On the other end of the spectrum, also designed by God, is um, some of your sons, instead of the rough and tumble active ones, these are the creative, artistic, emotionally sensitive ones, um, if we go downstairs and we investigate in the three- and four-year-olds, right now, those little boys, are their little antennas are going constantly. They're scanning the room, and they're sensing when people are upset. And if somebody starts to cry, they'll drop what they're doing and go over and pat them on the back and go, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and they're very, very sensitive to people. They're constantly observing what's going on. They are the opposite of clueless. They are clueful. And these little boys often, because they're artistic and creative and aware of what's going on, they tend to be very interested in... Um, art and music, um, these are the ones who go into performing arts. And often, you know, if you've got a boy who thinks that pink and sparkly and purple and princess stuff is really cool, it's not that you've got a little gay boy on your hands. What it is is that he going, you know, those colors are so much more interesting than beige and brown and gray and other boy colors. You know, and so it has nothing to do with homosexuality. It has everything to do with going, God, those are really cool colors, which apparently God thought when he invented the palette for making sunsets. You know, those really strong, bright colors. So some of your boys probably, I don't know if, if what the exact percentage is, probably somewhere between 5 and 20%, probably the, lo- the lower end. They came out of the womb saying... I don't want to climb trees and play ball. I want to read, and I want to watch movies. And Mommy, I want to help you cook. I want to learn how to cook. And they, they're that kind of boy. And when these boys are encouraged in their masculinity, the type of boy that they are, they grow up to be the most amazing husbands and pastors and counselors and teachers and artists and 
men who will come into your home and do interior design, but they're secure in their masculinity. This is the kind of, of boy that God makes, and then everything in between. If you have one of those little boys who's emotionally sensitive, creative, artistic, don't think that there's something wrong. This is God's gift to the world and especially to the church. It's one of the reasons that churches are so often boring and bland is because the ones who bring life and color and design and an amazing way to look at things differently have been shunted off. So just support that. Um, And... Let me just say that if, for those of you who have those sensitive little boys, they need more than anything to connect with their daddies. Unfortunately, most daddies are more in the rough and tumble end of the spectrum or somewhere in the middle, and they don't understand these little creative, sensitive ones. And it's like, I don't get you. And so it's like daddy speaks Chinese and the son speaks Spanish, and they may be talking to each other, but they keep missing each other. Well... Daddies, being the adults, need to learn the language of the son because the sons can't learn the adult language and just be real intentional about being there for them and connecting. They connect through the eyeballs as opposed to um, shoulder to shoulder, which is how most other boys and men bond. Um, That right there is worth its weight in gold, what I just told you. For those who are parents of sensitive boys, they just need their daddies to love on them and be their number one cheerleader. Those boys grow up to be amazing men. I have one of them. I have one of my sons um, was so artistic and creative. His college degree, his undergrad degree, was in art education from UNT. Um, He told me when he was in sixth grade, Mom, I'm such a girl. I cry so easily. And I said, Kevin, someday there is going to be a girl and other people who are going to find that sensitivity so precious. This morning I got up and he tweeted, my, sometimes I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't know how good that is. And what that was in reference to was the fact that Kevin's out in California, in San Francisco. He's a barista. He, for the last two years, has been working the, uh, the bar at a very high-end coffee um, shop in San Francisco, which is filled with foodies and coffee people. Um, and he, today's his last day on the bar. He is launching his own coffee company that connects coffee, specialty coffee, and kingdom values. Get this. The name of his company is the St. Frank Coffee Company. He's in San Francisco. St. Frank is kind of a nickname for St. Francis of Assisi, after whom San Francisco is named, and it's one of his heroes. And he's launching this coffee company um, to bring kingdom values to the coffee world, not so much in your face, but let's treat people with gentleness and dignity and respect and serve them great, great coffee. So here's Kevin, who's happily married to a girl who thinks he doesn't, he's not like a girl at all. Thank you very much. He's just... Sensitive, and he can express himself. And, and he grew up knowing that his daddy loved him and was there for him. No matter what Kevin was doing, whether he was entering art contests or being, playing soccer, his daddy was there for him, cheering him on and just go like, you can do this, Kevin. And Kevin just, turned, just bloomed into this amazing, wonderful man of God. And so I've seen that happen in my own home with one of those gentle creative, sensitive, artistic ones. They, amaze, they, they turn into amazing men. Our other one is in the middle. So he's got the strengths of both sides. 
And, um, and he, he's, he's our baby boomerang. <laughs> we threw him out and he came back. He lives with us. <laughs> anyway, when I asked him, I was talking to him about the gender spectrum. He goes, Mom, I'm in the middle. I'm really well balanced. I said, yes, yes, you are. Okay, so that's boys. Here's the thing. The, the female gender spectrum... Um, and these children come out of the womb this way. We do not make them this way. Children are a package that we get to unwrap and discover. It is not that we pl- write on the slates of their lives what we want. God puts that in there, okay? So out of the womb comes this little girl who says, Hi, can I have one of those little pink bandos things on, on my little bald head? And I want a pink receiving blanket. And I can't wait till I'm old enough for you can put nail polish on my little bitty fingernails. And like this little girl that I know who had her favorite dress was this gorgeous maroon velvet dress that she felt so pretty in at Christmas. But she felt pretty in it all the rest of the year, too, because she wanted to wear that dress in August with her white tights because she could twirl around and be pretty. And that's the type of little girl, that that foo-foo feminine, girly girl type that we think of as, oh, this is what femininity is. And God says, that's only a part of femininity. On the other end of the spectrum are your... Um, jockettes, your tomboys, girls who are allergic to dresses, allergic to pink, allergic to makeup. Do I have any here in this room? Ah, yeah. (laughs) And God made you just the way you are because he loves tomboy jockettes. Um, Particularly those of you who don't connect with the Barbie doll girly girl types, um, you know, you, you grow up to be the most amazing mothers particularly of boys. Um, some, of, some of these women have gone into teaching and Boy Scout leadership and that, that kind of thing, just, just loving on boys that way, and they're, they're not distracted by the other stuff. Um, and there's everything in between. And w- all girls need their moms to just be their number one cheerleader and believe in them and support them just the way they are as we teach them how to be girls, how to do the girl thing. There are some girls who are just like, no, I absolutely refuse to wear a dress. I will not wear a dress. And what they need to hear is, sweetie, you are a girl. There are times when wearing a dress is the appropriate thing to do, such as when you've asked to, you're asked to be the flower girl in a wedding. Wearing your jeans is not acceptable. You know? But when you come home, you can take the dress off and put your jeans and your baseball cap back on. It'll be okay. But we need to learn how to do the female thing. And then you can go home and take it off. Just like grown-ups, we dress up to go places, and then we come home and take it all off. That's just the way life is. But female, um, the female spectrum has the girly girl on one end and the tomboy on the other and everything in between. And girls are the way that God makes them to be. And what we need to do is celebrate the kind of girl that they are, celebrate the kind of boy that boys are, and help them to say, you know, this is the kind of girl I am, this is the kind of boy I am, and it's good. Now, let me get do some dividing between boys and girls in terms of how they think about themselves and how it all, this gender difference thing works. I am saying, I'm, very, I'm painting in a very broad brush this morning. I'm very aware of that. There are always going to be exceptions to every bell curve. There's going to be ends, and then you know, there's, there's the middle part. Um, 
the, the cool thing is, is these boys and girls get older, they find other complementary, um, the other complementary gender, and they find each other. So if you've got an, a kind of different sort of girl, she will find a different kind of boy. And it works. The complementarity works. But for the most part, this is true. Boys get their sense of self from achievement. They're all about saying, I did that. They want to be able to point to something that they achieved, particularly without help. Um, they're they're self-reliant, and there's something in boys that just hates the idea of having to ask for help. They get brownie points by not asking for or accepting help, which is how you end up with guys who get lost and refuse to ask directions, and men who will spend twice as long in the grocery store when you send them in for a can of beans because they're looking in the bread aisle, and it's like, I will just go up and down every aisle until I find it because I am not going to ask somebody because that would diminish my manhood status and they'd ask me for my manhood card back. And, um, and it starts with boys just saying, I get my sense of self from achievement. My older son, Kurt, his first full sentence was, I do it. Now, you compare that with girls who get their sense of self from relationships. Eve was created to be the helpmate to Adam and to be the mother of all human beings who would have come after her. She was created to be in relationship with her husband and her, and her children. She is the prototype for females. We're all about relationships. And where boys tend to be task-oriented, I wanna, this is what I need to do, which is why boys do very well with task to-do lists. Only three of them at a time, max. But they, they do well by being told, this is what I want you to do. Whereas girls, it's all about the relationship. Whatever it is that we need to do, let's do it together. Because it's all about relationships. Where boys are self-reliant and do not want anybody to help them, they bristle because it feels like um, an insult. Like if you offer help to a boy... He's going to think, you know, you did, I don't know, I'm not sure which way it goes, but, you know, that L thing on the forehead, it says L on my left hand looking at it, but in order for you to see L, it has to be my right hand, right? So if we offer help to a boy, it's offensive to him. So you can imagine what this does in family dynamics with mothers who are always female and sons who are always male. And if boys are all about this self-reliant thing and mothers are all about this relationship thing, I can't tell you how many times I unnecessarily frustrated my sons by offering help because I just wanted to share the moment with them. I was being their relational mama. And, And here are my sons going, I don't want your help. I don't need your help. If you help me, what you're saying is that I can't do it. You're saying that you have no confidence in me. And so I was running into reality. When I learned this about the difference between boys and girls, with boys wanting to be, needing to be self-reliant and girls being relational, and I backed off and I stopped offering help to my sons, it was amazing what a difference that made in their feeling respected and honored. So what, what I suggest you do with sons is to say, let's see if you can do this by yourself. I bet you can. 
and set the bar high that your expectation is that they can do it, but then express to them in, in language that they can understand that if you get frustrated, ask for help. You know, that uh-oh feeling when you start feeling angry inside and mm, helpless and, and things are just not right inside. When that starts getting bigger than you are, ask for help. Because that's, that's the signal when it's time to ask for help. But first, let's figure out if you can do this by yourself. It honors their design as males. Where boys tend to be um, independent, girls are interdependent. Um, they want, because we're relational. We, we want to do things together with other people. So the secret to, um, to getting a girl, most girls, I... I I read Brandy's blog, and I know that Sela isn't in the category of most girls, so I, I need to <laughs> qualify that. Most girls are going to want someone to do things with. That's what will open up their hearts and say, oh, yay, I don't have to do this by myself. I can do this in relationship. Um, so so it's, it's helpful to think in terms of small groups and communities with girls, which is why if you're at a party and the chip bowl goes empty, a girl will take it, stand up, and say, I'm going to the kitchen for more chips. And three other women will stand up with her and go, I'll go, I'll go with you. <laughs> and guys look at that and go, it only takes one to pour a bag of chips. Oh, I know, but we form small groups as just like breathing, which is, we go to the bathroom in small groups. I mean, it's just part of what it means to be relational. Guys, have you noticed, do not do that. If you had a little pod of men who got up and went to the bathroom together, that would be weird. If you had a little pod of boys who got up and went to the bathroom together, you know there's trouble <laughs> because they don't do that. <laughs> there's another dynamic about the sense of self and that self-reliance thing as opposed to the relational thing, and that is for a boy to have to ask for help or to accept it, he senses that as weakness. I can't do it by myself. I'm a loser. If a girl asks for help or is offered help, she tends to feel honored. Like, oh, somebody wanted to share this time and space with me. Somebody wanted to, to build a bridge between them and me. I feel so honored that you would do that, which is why we stand up and say, I'll go to the kitchen and fill the chip dish with you. You know, we are, we are so totally not saying, because you can't do it yourself, you loser. That's not what we're saying. We're saying, I just want to be with you. I just, I want to be in relationship with you. It's this relational thing. So understand that to offer help to a boy or to a man is usually not going to be well accepted. Although we mean it well, it's going to be received badly. And so... Honor the design of a male heart by not offering help until it gets really, really bad. Hopefully before there's blood. Okay. <clears throat> Another difference between boys and girls is that boys tend to be competitive where girls tend to be cooperative. A big part of the reason for this is that boys have so much more testosterone in their bodies than girls do. Girls have hormones those brain chemicals that just make us want to get along. So they're more cooperative. Boys are more competitive by nature. Now, that's not to say that there is no such thing as a competitive girl. If you have one of those, use it to your full advantage. 
the way that you do with a boy. For a boy, everything can be turned into a contest, and that's how you get the best out of them. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And the way that works with boys is set them up in a contest where they're competing against each other, and each one is spurred on to do better than they would if they were just doing their own thing, which is why um, soccer leagues that do not keep score and do not declare one team the winner and one team the loser um, do not do well especially with boys, because what is the point of playing a game if there is no winner? There's the only reason you play any kind of board game is to win. That's what it means to be a male. The reason we play board games is to spend time with each other, <laughs> pouring into each other relationally. At my previous church, there was a skit one Sunday morning a husband and wife were sitting there playing Monopoly, and the um, boom, 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 she lands on Park Place, and she doesn't do anything with it. And the husband says, don't you want to buy Park Place? She goes, no. He goes, you can't win if you're not collecting the, the blue spaces. She goes, I'm collecting the secondary colors. He said, you can't win if you only collect the secondary colors. She goes, I don't care about winning. Why are you playing this game then? She goes, because I get to spend time with you. Like, oh, great. What is the point of playing a game with somebody who doesn't care if they win or not? That's the male mentality. And the girls is like, uh, whatever. I mean, that's why I play Worlds with Friends. I never look at the score. I don't care. I'm just having a moment of connection with my friends. <laughs> which is why I get clobbered. I'm really pretty good with words, but with words with friends, I don't have the time to investigate <clears throat> four-letter words ending in Z. So at any rate, we, we look at com competition and cooperation differently. Let competition work for you as a mom. Your best friend to motivate your son can be the kitchen, clock, uh, the kitchen timer, especially if it makes noise. You're going to give him a job. Let's see if you can beat the clock. Can you pick up all your blocks in three minutes? I'm setting the timer. Go. And all of a sudden, ah, that word go just kind of unleashes all kinds of motivational power in them. So understand that competition is the key to getting a bet, the best out of many boys, whereas girls are all about cooperating. They want to be together. I believe that women invented round tables. Because we're all facing each other at round tables. We can talk to each other. We can cooperate. We can do our group projects together at round tables. Men, not so much. I mean, they, they do the long tables. I mean, think Harry Potter and 150 students lined up well, shoulder to shoulder. You know, it, it's so not about round tables because they're so not about comp uh, cooperation. But girls are. So understand that often um, the worst thing you can do to a girl is put her in a room and like, have her clean her room all by herself. It's just like, you have just sent me to the Gulag Archipelago. You know, I cannot believe you would do this to me. I want to be with you, Mommy. Which, of course, and if you have all girls who just want to be with you, Mommy, you're not going to get anything done, but that's all right. 20 years from today, you will look back and go, but I was with my kids. <laughs> I realize there needs to be a balance there. 
Um, okay, another difference in boys and girls is that boys tend to be analytical in the way that they process information. Girls are more intuitive. Our brains are different. This is a really cool little thing that God invented. Somewhere around six weeks into the gestational process of a baby inside of us, there is um, a little baby boy's brain gets a hormone bath. And it, it does something to the corpus callosum, which is a band of fibers that connects the right and the left hemispheres of the brain. And um, it allows the right and the left hemispheres to talk to each other. As a matter of fact, if you connect a woman's head to little um, electrodes and count the number of electrons firing inside and the activity going on in her head, and you plot it out, it will look like the 4th of July fireworks. There's just stuff going on all the time, left and right hemisphere, all at the same time. That's not doesn't happen in the male brain because about six weeks into the gestational process, th- this hormone breaks down some of the connectors between the right and the left hemispheres. It makes the corpus callosum different. And so activity is located in one side of the brain at a time. And so guys can only do one thing at a time for the most part, and they're very analytical in going from A to B to C to D to E because of the way that their brains are. But because girls' brains, we've got all this cross-talk and cross-connection between the hemispheres, we can go in our thinking from A to S to Z to B to F. We can end up at the same place, but if asked, how did you get there? How did you arrive at that conclusion? There is absolutely no way that we could explain that. Because everything's like a web, everything's connected to everything else, and that's, it literally is true in our brains. And so um, while we hear that feminine intuition thing, it's not something mystical, it's not supernatural, it's about the fact that our brains work differently, and also we are far more attentive because we're so relational. We're so much more attentive to the nonverbal cues that people send off. Um, now, this can all be learned by guys, and wise men learn how to do that from watching their wives. I've watched it after, over 37 years, 38, 38 years with my husband. You know, he is, he's been watching me do this, and, and it's been a really cool thing. We, they've done tests of girls and guys and discovered that clinically you can prove that the female brain is much better able to discern um, what's going on in somebody internally by watching their body cues, their, what are their eyes doing, what are their, what's their body language, what is the tone of voice. All that nonverbal communication is, is part of the intuition thing, but what it is is that we're taking in all this additional information besides what they just, what people say. And so we've got layers of communication going on. And so it's not that we're some sort of magical, supernatural, amazing person. God gave us brains that are different. And so because we're so relational, and think about it, children swim in an ocean of mommy's words and attention, and they need to know that they matter, and mom's paying attention to their littlest um, grunts and nuances. And so God made us intuitive that way so that we can relationally support um, people. Um, Boys tend to be very linear in their focus, one thing at a time, and they're also compartmentalized. So they're, they're like a chest of drawers. Only one drawer can be open at a time. 
to open one drawer is to close the other. And so, guys, your sons are only going to be thinking about school or blocks or eating or going to sleep or whatever. One drawer is open at a time. Ladies, I'm about to give you something that may change your marriage because these compartments grow with our boys when they become men. Men have a drawer called nothing. (laughs) And when it's open and you ask them, what are you thinking about? And they say nothing, believe them. (laughs) They really are thinking about nothing. Now, we cannot do that because everything is connected to everything else in our brains. We don't have a drawer named nothing, but they do. Believe them. And so, and if you ask your son that, and he says that, and what you're really wanting is, oh, please, please, talk to me and share your heart with me, and tell me what you're really, really thinking and feeling, what your hopes and dreams are. And he's trying to get ready for a soccer game. It so will not work, because boys are linear, and they're compartmentalized, and it's one thing at a time. And I, most, most guys... They can maybe hold three items in their head at a time. You add the fourth, and the first one drops off. So it, it just that's just the way they, they work. So don't load up a boy, or a man for that matter, with too much stuff. Anything more than three of anything, write it down. And anything more than three of anything with a boy who can't read is, more, is too much anyway. So that'll work. But I, I frustrated my sons so much not understanding this when they were little. I was a soccer mom. I'm a recovering soccer mom. And so on Saturday mornings, they both, you know, they'd have their their soccer bag was there. It was packed up with their soccer gear. You know, they had their uniforms on at 7 a.m. You know, it may be an 11 o'clock game, but they were decked out for this game. And they're totally focused on soccer, soccer, soccer. And so I'm looking at the clock, and I know we've got 15 minutes before it's time we need to leave. And I'm thinking, all right, let's, let's um, start folding up towels or something. Because, you know, we've got time we can use. And they would look at me like, Mom, no. And they just could not understand why I would crash into their soccer mindset with my little let's use the time wisely thing. They totally did not appreciate that. So when I learned about the linearity of a boy's mind, I was able to honor that and realize, you know, making them frustrated with me, but getting the towels folded is not worth it. I I just, when I honored that this is the way the male brain works, it worked so much better. But girls are multitaskers. We have to be. We're mothers. If we could only do one thing at a time, our families would disintegrate. I can't tell you how many times when my kids were little, I'd be helping one with his homework, putting a Band-Aid on the other one's knee, making dinner. I had the TV on and to see what Troy Dungan was saying about the weather. I'd be answering the phone and cleaning up the dishes while I was cooking, doing all of this and not thinking anything of it because I'm a multitasker. I'm a mother. Mothers have to be able to do that. But I also discovered that... Most men and most boys cannot understand the universe of the multitasker. And so my boys didn't understand that if I was emptying the dishwasher while I was talking to them, that I was actually able to give them 100% of my attention because emptying the dishwasher is mindless activity. They did not understand that. 
And so when I learned this, the difference between boys and girls, and I started something, doing something different that really made a difference in our family, when either of my, my sons or my husband would start a conversation with me, whatever I was doing, I would stop it as soon as I could. I would, I would put it down. I would put my hands in my lap. I would turn toward them and basically present open body position. I was communicating to them, I am 100% invested in you right now. I am giving you all of my attention. I'm not sharing it with anybody else. It was amazing that the stress level dropped at my house immediately because my sons, who were receiving just as much attention as they were before, but they didn't know it, suddenly felt like I was actually paying them 100% of my attention. And they felt more honored. They felt more respected. And it made a really big difference. Where boys are compartmentalized like a chest of drawers, girls are connected like a ball of yarn or a, a, a web. With a spider's web, if something touches a web on this end, the whole web jiggles. Everything is, is attached to everything else. Everything is connected to everything else. And in our brains, everything is connected to everything else. So you can imagine let's, how this plays out in marriage. Let's say that there's some misunderstanding or a tiff in the morning and it's not resolved before your husband goes to work. And so he walks out the door and the family drawer is shut and the driving drawer is open. And then he goes to work and the driving drawer is shut and the work drawer is open. And you and your tiff are in the drawer, which stays closed all day. Us? Every little thing reminds us of this unresolved issue. With her husband. Every little thing, whether it's a phone call from a girlfriend or you walk into the bathroom and there is his socks on the floor again. It has nothing to do with what you were arguing about this morning, but it reminds you of why you have this unresolved issue. You know, so everything reminds us. So he comes home and he walks in and he's had that drawer shut all day long. He walks in and goes, hi. And you go, don't even look at me like that. Because everything has been reminding you of, of that unresolved conflict all day long, which is one of the reasons why the Bible tells us deal with that unresolved stuff as quickly as you can. So understand, big difference between, in brains. Um, boys are action-oriented, where girls are far more verbally oriented. I know this is not news to you. Boys come out of the womb going, where's the ball? I want to bounce, I want to run, I want to climb trees, I want to do things. And they have so much more testosterone in their body that makes, it gives them the wiggles. It, it gives them the need to move, most boys. Now there are some who are just by nature very, very quiet and sedate. God made them that way. Um, if you have sons that are made that way, please do not write books for the rest of us telling us how to parent these easy, easy children. Because it's just not fair. But um, they come out of the womb needing to move. And, and a very wise person once said that masculinity is a feeling of energy inside. It just feels like an, an engine just ready to roar into life. Which is why it can be really hard to get some boys to go to sleep because they've got this energy inside of them. You're going to want to tuck this away for 10 years from now when your kids start entering puberty and the um, amount of their sex hormones drops up, shoots up by 
When you take the testosterone and you put it together with um, the androgen, the, the, the male hormones, and you've got this, this cocktail of, of hormonal craziness going on in teenage boys, understand that all of that hormonal stuff going on inside of a teenage boy's body, it's masculinity coming into bloom, but it's going to feel like anger, and he's not going to know why he's angry. And that's because he's not angry. But he doesn't have anybody to tell him, sweetie, you're not angry. You're just male, and it's okay. Um, but it's going to feel like anger, and he's going to want to push against you, and he's going to want to hurt things, and he's going to want to punch and do things like that to get the anger out. And it's not anger. It's energy, and it needs to be channeled appropriately. That's why boys desperately need to be involved in some sort of physical activity. If they're not team player types because they really don't, like they hate balls or whatever, get them into a Christian martial arts or something that will allow them to have mastery over their body where they can go, I feel good about my body. But they need to have a channel for all this energy. Um, I was asked on the Nest Facebook page, where do you draw the line? When do you know that that boyishness, all that energy is too much? That's why it's foolish not to parent without the help of the Holy Spirit to ask him about, you know, your son. But the best thing I can tell you is um, for, for keeping your frustration at a minimum, readjust your expectations. Instead of unrealistic, unrealistic expectations, which are way up here, bring them way down low in terms of understanding that God just made boys to move. They are... Um, they've got all kinds of, of things going on in their bodies and in their brains that gives them the need to move. And it doesn't mean that they're pathological. It doesn't mean they're broken. It doesn't mean they've got ADHD necessarily. It means they're boys. And that's why recess is such an incredibly important part of um, the school day. And that's why it's, it's, we're, we're assaulting boys when schools take that away or take PE away. When with little boys, the ones you guys have, it's so important to give them places where they can run in a safe environment, where they can climb and play on the, the playground equipment or whatever. They need to be blessed in their um, desire to get out there and move because God made them to move. And it's also the only way to be healthy, physically healthy and um, intellectually healthy. I heard a a psychologist, say, a PhD in child psychology, say the more a child moves, the more that their brain is going to grow. And so if you want to bless your child intellectually, make sure that they're doing a lot of moving as well because all that needs to go together. So boys are very action-oriented. They need to move. Um, and if you find yourself frustrated a lot by how much your boys need to move, a little bit of perspective can really help. I had two very, very active little boys. And um, one of the things that made it so much easier for me was the memory of our first child, who was a little girl, only lived for nine days. She had a massive cerebral hemorrhage 24 hours after she was born. She was premature. And by the time I saw Becky in the NICU at Baylor, she was an alive baby doll. I mean, she was breathing, not without help, 
Um, but this little daughter that was the same size as my childhood dolls was absolutely unable to move because of she, had, she was in a coma. She lived eight of her nine days in a coma before Jesus took her home. And so when my boys come out and they're so active and they're, you know, as soon as they learn to walk, they learn to walk away from me. And as soon as they learn to run, one in particular learned to run away from me, which is another reason why I believe in guardian angels, because he's still alive. Um, and see, I couldn't run after him. I'm a polio survivor. You know, I, I've been limited in what I could do, but the Lord was right there with me. Um, but I, when I would be tempted to be frustrated about how how much they were active and their you know, need to run and all of this, and I would just flash back to what it looked like to see Becky lying there unable to move. And I would just say, oh, Lord, thank you so much for my boys' healthiness. Thank you that they can run. Thank you for strong, beautiful legs. Thank you that they can climb. Thank you that they can jump. Thank you for all of that activity and that energy in them. I just I praise you, Lord, for my healthy boys. Thank you so much. And... And feeding that attitude of gratitude made a huge difference in how I handled my boys being so active. So if you need to, go, um, go visit a children's hospital where children, your children's ages are in hospital beds and fighting cancer and, and just lying there listlessly in bed. Um, if you need to do that, that will go a long way toward helping you just accept the joy of a very, very active child. Um, when because boys are action oriented, they feel better. I mean, excuse me. They they experience hostility physically. When they feel feel really frustrated and are upset and they're hostile and they're mad, they want to kick something. They want to bite something. They want to throw something. They want to hurt something or someone. They're going to express their hostility physically. <laughs> My older one. Um, got really angry one day when he was just starting his puberty thing and he kicked the wall in the hallway and he caused a hole about four or five inches across. And it, it took a half a second to inflict the damage on our house, but it took an entire day to fix it because I had a friend, of a girlfriend, who had a little home business she called Wench with a Wrench. And she was the handyman <laughs> that mo- most many of us did not marry. And um, she said, I will take Kurt to, uh, to Home Depot and get the, the netting and the spackling and the paint and all that stuff, and he will have to do every step of the process of repairing the damage to that wall with me. And I said, awesome, I love that. And when he lost an entire day of his life because of a half a second of unrestrained anger, he never did that again. So boys show their hostility through physicality. Now, where boys are very active-oriented, girls are far more verbal. We generate three times as many words per day as guys. Little girls generate about that. Now, there is a difference between words and noise, okay? Because <laughs> you all know little boys can make a lot of noise without verbalizing any of it. I mean, they're totally committed to making, to providing the sound effects of life. You know, so I got my notebook. 
See, I'm a mother of boys. I know how this thing works. So they can generate a lot of noise. That's not the same thing as communicating with words. But God makes girls to be verbal because little girls grow up to become mommies. And as I mentioned earlier, God makes babies to swim in an ocean of words. That's how they learn to talk. So all when you're talking to your kiddo, kiddos, including your brand-new newborn babies, please do not think it's too soon to talk to them because they are little sponges in there. I promise you they're taking in every bit of it. And you're just layering one layer after another, like, like creating a pearl of language and values and all this stuff. So we talk and talk and talk and talk to our, to our children, and they learn how to talk. They do not learn how to talk by watching TV. It's that interaction, interactive thing. So um, if your husbands are frustrated by the amount of talking that you do, tell them that this is God's gift, um, because it is. And understand that with your husbands and also with your sons, the smaller ability to generate words is matched by a smaller capacity to receive them. So if you have not talked to other adults all day long and you're saving up your 637 million words to unleash them on your husband when he walks in the door at night, this is not a kindness to him. (laughs) You need to be talking to other people through the day. Praise God for phones. Praise God for the nest and making friendships. If you need to decide which of your utilities to pay, pay the phone bill first (laughs) so that you can talk to other friends during the day. Um, It does, tweeting and Facebooking does count. I mean, those are generating words as well. But but understand that we generate many more words than, than boys do. And that's why girls do really well in school, because school rewards the verbalness of back-and-forth interaction. Boys just really... We've got an in for boys. They're just dying in schools, and that's, that's a topic for another time, because we, um, we, we celebrate and we support the way girls are. Um, most of the policies that are set in schools are set by women who are very verbal who like to sit at round tables and do group projects. <laughs> so at any rate, girls are much more verbal. And they express their hostility verbally with their tongue. How many of you, like me, are still carrying the scars of the words of some seventh grade girl? Oh my gosh. Oh my word, I'm so glad that the whole mean girl thing has come out into the culture and and bullying is a big issue because, oh my word, girls especially can use words to inflict so much pain on people. That, That little saying, sticks and stones can break my bones but names will never hurt me, that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is so not true. Those sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me thing lies to us because names hurt terribly. Ugly things that are said hurt terribly, and they leave wounds on the soul that can last for a lifetime. That's why it's so important that you talk to your girls about using their tongue for good and not for evil. Please take them through the book of Proverbs. If they, when, when they're old enough to have their own Bible, give them a highlighter 
and walk them through every chapter of Proverbs and have them highlight the verses that talk about the tongue. There's a lot in there. It's very, very powerful, for both for good and for evil. So um, often with, when kids are fighting, you know, scenario typically goes, the girl starts, and mom walks into the room and asks, what happened? And um, she will say, he hit me, because he shows his hostility physically. And it's too soon to stop there. You should not hit your sister. No, no, no. The next question is to turn to her and say, what did you say before he hit you? (laughs) Because he may have provoked her physically. There's probably something that happened with her provoking him with her tongue first. And we sin with our tongues more than any place else in our lives. It starts really young. So I, I don't know about you, but... I was already a Christian when my children were born. It it just verified to me that children are born with um, a fallen nature because, you know, the stuff that would come out of their mouths and out of their fists, I did not teach them to lie. I did not teach them to be mean or to be selfish or materialistic. It was just their part of the um, original manufacturer's equipment. So... We need to deal, you know, with with the sin that comes out of our kids' lives. Um, Boys and girls bond differently. As I mentioned earlier, boys bond shoulder to shoulder. They find it very threatening to be face-to-face with people, particularly in intense conversations. So one of the best things I ever discovered was to have conversations with my sons um, where they were not seeing my face. So one of them, my, one of my son's love language is physical touch. So he loved it if he was lying on the bed on his tummy and I would rub his back and we would talk in a darkened room. And he could not see my face and I could not see his. It enabled him to open his, his heart. Um, that happens a lot in the car, or not so much anymore because um, he's older, but when he was in the Air Force, we, he, would, he was stationed in Wichita Falls for four months, and every weekend he would come home because he had a ride, and our best conversations were in the car, shoulder to shoulder, facing forward, he would open up his heart, usually in the last three minutes before I dropped him off. <laughs> we had the whole weekend together, but that's when he, he did that. Um, but particularly when you are having difficult conversations with your sons, do not insist that they look you in the eyes when you are um, when you are rebuking them when you are punishing them when you are disciplining them the time to insist on an eyeball to eyeball contact is when someone is apologizing that needs to be face to face and eyeball to eyeball but please understand that it is so much easier for a boy to receive something difficult and especially if it's it's hard to receive because he's being disciplined if you don't force him to look at you in the face It totally goes counter to probably everything you've ever experienced or heard, but try it. See what a difference it makes. Teachers have discovered that this makes a huge difference in the classroom, so have um, principals. If you don't insist that a boy look at you when you are telling him that he messed up, it's so much easier for him to receive that. But boys bond shoulder to shoulder, and um, which is why they can have a very good time with each other watching a game, 
Um, my husband went to the Bears game. Bear down, Chicago Bears, on Monday night. Um, so sorry for you Cowboys fans. Um, and he was in a row with six of our relatives and friends who came down from Chicago for the game. And they had a great time. Nobody was talking to each other. They were all in a row, shoulder to shoulder, the whole night. And, and that, was, that was a great experience. Nobody had conversation um, because girls bond face-to-face. We want to talk to each other. We want FaceTime. I think that whoever named that on the iPhone was a girl. It was it's all about FaceTime. We want to see the other person's eyes. We want to see all the nonverbal cues that go into communication. And the only way you can do that is by being face-to-face. And so um, now know that there are some girls who would prefer to bond shoulder to shoulder. And you just need to try both ways and find out which ways they seem less stressed and more comfortable. And with those little boys that I mentioned earlier, the sensitive, creative, uh, artistic ones, they are totally face-to-face eyeball boys. And they love to be across, we call them, um, in a ministry that I'm involved in, we call them our Starbucks boys because they love the little tables where they're even closer to each other, uh, to other people, eyeball to eyeball. And those little boys need their daddies to be looking them eyeball to eyeball. Um, that's how they receive love. That's how they're getting the message, I am not invisible. I matter because somebody's looking me in the eyes. So those boys, different situation than most other boys. And... I have one, one thing to, to say before we go to um, Q&A, and that's about the way that boys and girls nurture, which is different. <clears throat> With girls, we think of, um, when I say nurture, I, I bet there's one concept that comes to mind. It's what you do naturally as moms. It's empathy nurturing. It's, it's done with tenderness and a soft voice, very low, lots of patting and stroking and oh you're hurt come to mommy come here let me rock on you let me let me tell you it's gonna be better and they receive that especially when they're little kids but there's another kind of nurturing that daddies give and the boys give to each other when they as they learn it and boys especially need to receive this, but girls need it too. And that's called, what boys do is called aggression nurturing. And it's what drives, can drive us crazy as mothers if we don't understand that this is a totally natural, normal, masculine way to nurture. And that means there's a physical aggression to it um, where, for example, a dad will go up to his son and punch him in the um, the bicep and go and, and, and say things like, way to go, champ, um, and, and tiger, and using those kinds of strong, more aggressive words, um, you're not going to hear many daddies say, you are my precious little baby boy, I just love you so much. And if you say that, make sure that there's nobody else in the room to your son. I mean, especially not in public. It is so embarrassing. Um, But they need to receive that aggressive nurturing which says, let's help you develop a a thicker skin. Um, They... Empathy, I mean, aggression nurturing is challenging. It's like, oh, come on, you can do this. You can get out there and do that. And dads will, 
um, are, are, can be really good at pushing their kids to do things that they really don't want to do, but that they need to do in order to grow. If we keep our kids comfortable, um, they're going to stay shrunken and undeveloped. I was talking with a friend of mine um, about about this, and he said, I was on the soccer team with this other guy from the youth group in our church. And it was a cold January day. It was raining. It was bitterly cold. And I so did not want to get out there. And my dad said, look, I know it's cold, and I know you don't feel good, but you need to get out there, forget about the cold, and just get out there and do your best play in your game. You can do this, Matt. You've got what it takes, which is a powerful, powerful thing for a boy to hear from his dad. Incredibly powerful. And at the same time, this other boy who was more coddled and softer and he didn't have the confidence that many other boys had, his mother was there and said, oh, it's cold, it's rainy, I wouldn't want to go out there. Come on, come here and get inside the, the, the blanket with me. You don't have to go out there. And the message to him is, I don't have to rise to the challenge of difficulty in life. My mommy will protect me. Do I need to tell you that as these boys grew into men, they became very different kind of men? And they need, boys need, girls need it too, but especially boys need to be challenged and need to be told, you can do this, let's get you a thicker skin. They need, the, the competition is a good thing. Get out there and do your best. Do they need to hear things like, come on, you're okay, get up, get up, which is a good thing for us to learn to say as moms too. You know, if there's no blood and no broken bones, keep going. Um, if, if there's blood, okay. <laughs> but understand too that when boys get hurt, not desperately ER kind of hurt, but, but, but leaving a scar on their body, that is a badge of honor for a boy. He just, the other boy's like, cool. I, I went and <laughs> I spoke at, I've spoken a couple times at Pine Cove's Mother and Sons Weekend. And so I've got all these, I don't know, 75 boys from first grade through fifth grade. And I know I've got the boys in my pocket when I tell them that I have a Harry Potter scar on my forehead. I go, really? Yeah, I, I tripped and banged my forehead into a plate glass door and split open my forehead in, at the Denver airport several years ago. It, I was so dizzy that I, I literally could not raise my head, had to get, take a ride in an ambulance to the hospital. I've got three stitches, and you can't see it, which is the coolest thing for me as a woman. I really, I don't want you to see my Harry Potter scar. But God, God healed it. But to those boys, I had the mark of authenticity. I had a Harry Potter scar on my forehead. I mean, they were ready to hear whatever else I had to say because that's the way boys think. So we need to, to understand that this aggression nurturing where it's okay, get up, you can do this, is, is very important. Okay, it's 1123, and um, I know that there are questions, and so I'm going to s- stop here and ask what else you want to hear. We've got, do we have um, a couple of mics? Thank you. Hi. You mentioned about the aggression and when your son got older, you know, kicking or punching in the wall or whatever. What about for younger boys? Um, My son has just started doing this where we just had the conversation yesterday and 
where he got angry about something and kicked something, and I told him that that was not how we were going to show our anger. We were not going to hit or punch or anything like that. But was that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Or um, I would suggest you two things. First of all, that you teach him how to use his words. He, he Get him to the point where use your words is one of the things that he hears over and over and over again. And then give him the words to use. I am so angry with you right now because... Bah, 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 whatever. But understand, too, that, that when anger rises up inside of us, it's not a sinful emotion. It's a God-given emotion. And there needs to be a healthy expression of it. So the rule is we do not hurt things and we do not hurt people. Okay? As long as you keep it in that parameter, it's okay. So, for example, if you've got something that can't be hurt, and it's like, I am so very satisfying. It didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt the, the, the chair. It didn't hurt anybody else. But I was able to discharge my anger, and I feel better. Mm-hmm. And so if you just know that those are the parameters, we don't hurt people, we don't hurt things, then you're good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I felt convicted um, about the girls um, tending to be cooperative and um, the sending them to the room feeling like death to them um, <laughs> because we do that and we... I feel like we hear all the time, I don't want to do it alone. Will you help me? And um, so our daughter's three and a half, and I feel like she really, she wants to get out of things too. Like she doesn't want to have to clean up on her own. You made a huge mess. You need to clean it up. So like how do you, do you have any tips on just some balance in that? Because when you said that, I was like, maybe she just wants to be with me. Am I being, (laughs) am I being the the softy? You're exactly right. Yeah, you're, you're exactly, she does want to be with you. And if mommy helps me, I won't have to work so hard. Um, honestly, that's one of those things where you, you shoot up an arrow prayer and go, Lord, I need wisdom beyond my years right now. Um, and so what you might want to do is she needs to be able to work independently, okay? That's one of those life skills. And that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because... One of the things that really, really will help you in thinking through, what do I do here, is to never lose track of the long view, which is my job is to produce functioning, independent adults who do not need mommy. And so what can I do here to help them grow in that direction as opposed to my job is to get them into Harvard, you know, whatever it takes, which, you know, is the invitation to be a helicopter mom. So um, at any rate, what you might want to do is do a combination uh, of just tell them, um, you know, make, maybe try to see which one works, partially on her own, partially with your help. And you, depending on your daughter and her, however God made her, one may well work better than the other. You, you could use the alone time as motivation um, to, you know, mommy will come in and help you when you have done this, this, and this. And then, you know, there's a reward at the end, as opposed to if you help first and then you sentence her to the, um, you know, gulag, and you're abandoning her, and then it just trails off into nothingness, you know. So that's what I would do is, is a combination of them. And you know what? You can also tell her, I understand that, 
you don't want to do this by yourself and you want to be with me. And you know what? That's one of the things that makes you a girl like mommy. And the, the more that you can identi- help your daughters identify with you, help your sons identify with your husband, you know, boys need to identify with men, girls need to identify with women in order to be gender healthy. And so just using the opportunity to connect those dots is a really cool thing too. Uh-huh. have a question just about conflict um, between genders. So as a mom, I have a very spirited um, and emotionally excited child (laughs) at four. And one of the things that I've noticed is um, my relationship with her is so much more conflictual. Um, And I'm thinking part of that's just because of the woman, the mom to child relationship um, versus like her relationship to her dad or to grandma or to friends or anyone else. And I'm wondering, um, like, the, any suggestions on handling the emotional freakouts um, with me and to diffuse that and if there's any kind of suggestion from a gender kind of perspective. Do, does she have real controlling flesh? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I understand because number one son came out of the womb with two questions. Number one, are the rules the same today as they were yesterday? And number two, can I be in charge? (laughs) Needless to say, our homeschooling experiment didn't last real long. (laughs) Um, Let me me just tell you, there is no easy answer to that. because you need to be loving and firm while at the same time understanding that she is just going to be in a headbutting situation with you and it's that iron sharpening iron thing. Um, you need to keep telling yourself, this too shall pass. <laughs> it won't always be like this. But I'll tell you what, this strong-willed child <laughs> has told me, now that he's an adult, he said, every time you got mad... I won. I said, oh, great. Now you tell me, now that you no longer make me mad. Now you tell me. He goes, Mom, I wasn't going to tell you the rules when we were still in the game. <laughs> no. No. That, I wish I'd known that, okay? Here's what I would do if I had a chance to do that all over again, is even if I do get mad, and of course you're going to get mad. I mean, we're human, we're fleshly, and we don't like being disobeyed or having our authority challenged. Understand, Lord, thank you that you see my anger, but I'm not showing it on the outside. You know? And one of the things, the best way to make sure that she doesn't know that she got you is to make sure there's no edge in your voice. Do you see the difference in my voice between this and when I speak more softly and I take the edge off? There's no energy in my voice. So you kind of pull back on the energy and speak very softly as you carry a big stick of consequences. <laughs> so what you want to do is read Parenting with Love and Logic. <laughs> do you? Got that book. Um, those guys, Klein and Faye, they got it going on. They are so incredibly wise. And that's because they buy into a biblical worldview that says God established a universe where consequences rule. And so let empathizing with her. Yes, absolutely. You know, and one of the things that's really helpful is to draw the line in the sand, not where our child is on one side and we're on the other, but that both of us are on this side of the consequences. And you can say, 
you know what, I am so sorry that you need to do X, Y, Z because of the choice that you made. I know it's hard to do that. I'm so sorry. I bet next time you'll make a wiser choice. And when you, what you're doing is, you know, you're sympathizing, you're empathizing, you're letting consequences be the teacher instead of you. That's really good, too. Thanks. Hi. I have two boys. Um, one's five and one's two. And one is that emotional, sensitive child that you're talking about, the very artistic. He's the five-year-old, and the two-year-old came out of the womb with a ball and a bat. And he's the active, runaway, you know, spirited child, as she's mentioned. And um, we're going through the whole sibling rivalry, like my two-year-old wants to come and just come and pounce on my (laughs) five-year-old and wrestle with him. And my five-year-old doesn't want to do that. He wants to sit and watch TV, and he wants to, you know, be creative and whatever. So how much do I encourage my five-year-old, who's the creative artistic, to be rough and tumble with his brother and not be like, no, no, I don't want to do that. How much do I encourage him to, and how do I encourage that for him to just go and wrestle with his brother and just be a boy in that way? Wow. Great question. First of all, I would have a sit down with your son face to face with a five year old and tell him um, I, I, want, I want to tell you how I see you how the, the wonderful way God made you that God made you with a very special gift you have this very tender heart and you don't like to be all physical and stuff because your strengths are in other areas I love that about you um And your brother, God made him very differently, didn't he? I mean, you guys are very, very different. Of course, he knows that by now. Smart kid. These rough and tumble, I mean, these uh, creative, artistic, sensitive ones tend to be higher intelligence as well. Um, And just tell him, um, one of the things that will really help you to become the man that that you want to be in order to be a big, strong daddy and, and a good man is... You need to have a little bit thicker skin than what you have right now. And so I, I want to encourage you to let yourself, you know, let's, let's talk about what that would look like when two-year-old brother comes and attacks you. You know, how can you handle that? Because how he thinks about it is more important than physically what happens. Because what's happening is his brother is connecting with him. And, and if you say, what's the little brother's name? Riley. Okay, so this is Riley's way of saying, I love you. I want to be with you. It doesn't mean, you know, there's something wrong, you're a loser, I'm stronger than you are, or anything. That's how Riley's connecting. And you can talk to him about receiving that, um, but, but you can also strategize with him. How, do I, how are you going to handle when he comes and he pounces on you? You know, if you wrap your arms around him and you give him a great big bear hug and then you squeeze him really tight and say, I love you too, Riley, and then let him go. And, and then, you know, we'll talk to Riley about when he says, I love you too, and he lets you go, that's, you're done. That's... <laughs> That's the end of that. And then give Riley a great big stuffed bear or something that he can tackle or whatever. But it's helpful. What, how people think about things is just as important as what happens. That filter that's in place um, is very important. So um, I, I hope that helps. I mean, just 
it was, I was at an Exodus conference several years ago. Exodus is the ministry um, that is over a lot of the ex-gay ministries, pe- helping people come out of homosexuality. So I'm at this conference with this great, great big table with people who've been in the gay lifestyle for years and are now walking with the Lord and walking out of that. And so I, we, I was talking about this difference between the rough and tumble and the sensitive boys and how they, um, um, what's the word? Nurture each other. And, and one of these boys said, are you telling me that every time my brother attacked me and, and called me names, that he was loving me and he was nurturing me? I said, yeah. I, he really was. That, was. that was how he knew how to do that. And he looked at me and he said, well, at, I, it never occurred to me that way. You know, he just thought he was being disrespected and mistreated. And, you know, why can't you see that I don't want to be treated this way and, you know, stay other than? And it never occurred to him that that was the brother's way of saying, I love you. Calling names is part of that nurturing, aggression nurturing too, which is why we need to stay on top of when it crosses the line to disrespect. So um, I can't tell you how many times I heard one brother in my house say, you are such a girl. It's like, thanks. <laughs> but that was, that was aggression nurturing. It could have gotten a lot worse than that. Thanks for asking. Okay. And then we've got one over here. Um. I have a similar situation. My my boy is kind of more on the sensitive scale, not full over, but more so. And then my girl is two, so he's three, she's two. And I'd say she's right in the middle with the girls. Like, she likes the pink and the dress-up, but she also has skin knees all the time. Um, and unfortunately from me, she got control issues that I can already see at two years old, and she's very strong-willed and very stubborn. Um, and she is kind of like the little like this this situation except she's a girl um and i've just started to wonder if that's going to make him feel like less of a man because she i just saw her this morning and he was starting to push her and she just got this look like try it you know and and he usually backs off and she's the one that initiates uh, wrestling she's pinned him before i mean so i just wonder if that with it being a girl that's kind of being more aggressive-ish, if that would, I don't know, if you would change anything you just said or add to that based on that situation. What he, he needs to be able to, um, to, to push back without going over the edge, but instead of simply passively being the victim, he really needs to, to say to himself, I can do this, you know, I'm a boy, I can push back, I, I can stand up to my sister. He Yeah, so you need to write a new script for him. Daddy needs to be involved in this conversation because daddy needs to teach him what it means to be a man because they're not, boys don't learn how to be a man from us. We don't have what it takes to impress masculinity on a boy's heart. Only a man does. We can confirm it, but we can't make that impression on him. So you need to have this conversation with your dad, with your husband about um, what else, what other choices does he have besides just crying and whining and complaining, you know, and, and thinking this through. Um, for example, using his words, you know, I don't like it when you do that. Now, there's a difference between saying, I don't like it, stop it, and I don't like it, stop it. You see what I'm saying? So help him grow a, a backbone and, and put some energy into his words. 
which is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. He hears himself speaking, and, and then practice it. Practice it when he's not in the moment. So you're role-playing this, and you're practicing the words before he's, he needs to use it. But he needs to hear that from Daddy's mouth. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me of something else that I wanted to say as long as we're here and because we're running out of time, right? Um, Chris Mundy had asked on the Facebook page a question that I wanted to answer, which is, okay, at what point do I allow my daughters to see me undressed? Um, Or at what point do I kind of cover up? And a lot of times kids will let us know from their own internal modesty parameters. You know, it's like, I don't want to see anything, you know, and they're two years old, and you you just see that. Um, And others, it's no big deal. The most important thing is you want girls to see, this is what a grown-up female body looks like. This is what you will look like when you're a grown-up. And, um, you know, this is what a pregnant belly looks like. And this is what breastfeeding looks like. And, and it's just that they know this is the kind of body I'm in. This is the kind of, of um, God made me to be a girl, and this is what girls grow up to be. Boys need to see the exact same thing from dad. They need to know that their bodies are shaped like daddy's bodies. And sometimes that totally freaks out men. It's like, ugh, this little kid is seeing my naked body. Yeah, he really needs to see that. He needs to know that he is, he's like you and not like mommy in order for him to go, you know, I belong in the world of men. And let me just say, for 13 years I've been helping people walk out of homosexuality. And not a single one of them, not a single one of the men I've ever talked to, felt comfortable in the world of men because his dad said, you're one of us, buddy. Come on in here. You know, you belong in the world of men. And this is what masculinity looks like, you know. This is what a, a grown-up man looks like. Um, so as, as weird as that sounds, it really does help for kids to be able to, to go, okay, this is my body. Hmm? Not so good. Yeah, boys seeing mom. Um, Somewhere around three or four. I mean, I just, I think it's appropriate to show that kind of modesty. And, and, um, And then have the girls understand, too, that God calls us to modesty. So when girls say... I don't, I don't need to wear a top on my, my bathing suit. I mean, I look just like my brother. Why do I have to wear a top? Because you're a girl. Because God calls girls to be modest. And there will come a time when, you know, you, you don't let anybody see your private parts except mommy, daddy, and the doctor. So, you know, we need to, to talk about modesty, talk about purity. Um, and we honor a boy's masculinity by not, um, flaunting, you know, nakedness. If they happen to walk in, you know, it, it's going to happen. You know, it's just how you respond is important. You know, we don't want to shame them or condemn them or anything. But it's it's also possible to be something of an exhibitionist when it's really not wise, because they need to be boys need to be connecting with daddy and realizing I'm not like mommy. I different from mommy and and part of that is this is my body and you had your 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 time with it you know so glad you asked so what about whoa what about the other way uh little girls seeing daddy did boy did you already address that same thing is it all the same do you apply the same thing um 
Yeah, I mean, when they're young, it's going to be no big deal, you know, because honestly, daddy's penis is not going to be any more exciting than daddy's elbow. <laughs> so they're, until they're told, you know, that there are parts, body parts we cover up, you know, because uh, we're, we're being modest. But with men especially, um, for, both, for it going both ways, I, I would think that the younger the better for, for them to, no, not cover up. I mean, for them to cover up. So, not freaking, though. Freaking out is never good. One more question or are we going on time? this path. Boy, girls, baiting together. Any not more? a problem. Until, oh, how long? Yes, how long? By the time they're 14, it's way too late to stop. <laughs> okay, um, I would say probably seven or eight, but before puberty. The thing is, in our culture, we are pushing puberty younger and younger, and we're pushing sexualized images younger and younger. So I would, I'm pulling that out of a hat, but I, when they're still young and before any of the hormones start to flood. So I would, I would think six, seven, eight. Daddy with, with husband is okay up to a certain age? I'm sorry? Daddy taking a shower with husband is okay up to a certain age? Daddy taking a shower with, with son. With son? With son. Um, any time is fine, honestly. I mean, it's just that's a huge, huge thing that will build into a boy's um, sexual self-esteem. It's like, I'm like my dad. I belong. I belong in that world. By the way, I had a feeling I wouldn't be able to get to this. Um, I have a sheet on healthy sexual development that was put together. Mom and dad's to-do list for healthy sexual development in children that was put together by Ricky Shillette. Um, the executive director of Living Hope. He has spoken here at Watermark numerous times, and it's, he's got great, great stuff on the, the website. I am going to put this list of what moms should do with boys and girls, what dads should do with boys and girls. I'm going to put that on the Facebook Nest page so that you can, as a PDF, so you can download it because we obviously don't have time to go over it, but it's really, really good stuff. One last question. Uh, what is mom's role when little girls identify with daddy to the exclusion of mommy? Um, mommy's role is to go to daddy and say, I really need you to talk me up to her. He need, she needs to see you loving me, honoring me, respecting me, um, while at the same time not interfering with their closeness because a daughter's closeness with daddy is one of the most important things for her to have a later on close relationship with a husband. But for her not to disrespect mom and not to disrespect herself, she needs to see daddy loving and respecting mom. So his daddy's attitude and perspective and the way he refers to, talks about, and reacts to mom in her presence is the most important thing. Meanwhile... You know, just just talk about how cool it is that this daughter that you love so much loves her daddy and he loves her because that closeness is is one of the best foundations for healthy self-esteem and, and security that she could possibly have. 